Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. It was 2 p.m. on a rainy gray day. This was in New York City. A father who has had many, many years of experience was brewing his afternoon cup of coffee. And as he's doing that, he receives a call on his phone from an unknown number. It was a young woman screaming and crying on the other end of the line uncontrollably. Next came on the line a forceful, angry male voice. The voice said this, we have your daughter. Listen to every word that I say. Do exactly what we tell you to do or we'll kill her. He pauses and he thinks. And he manages to come up in that moment with five words. Can I talk to her? No, says the man. Or we'll break her arm. This man he had one, he had, he had two daughters. His older daughter, just six months earlier, tragically had passed away. The day that she died, he looked his other daughter in the eye with grief, crying, and he's looking at her in the eye and he says, I only have one daughter left. Out of fear, this man on the phone says to the kidnappers, this is my only daughter. I'll do whatever you want me to do. The caller asks him, are you alone? The dad says, yes, I'm alone. But he looks across the room to his wife and he, and he silences his wife like this and he, and he calls his wife over. He scribbles on a napkin, quiet, go outside, Call 911. Ashley's been kidnapped. That's what he writes on this napkin. So the wife parries outside and she calls 911. The husband's on the phone with the kidnappers and he's told to get into the car, keep us on the phone, drive to the bank, drive to your bank, and you're going to pay us a ransom. And if you don't cooperate, we'll kill your daughter. The wife lets the police know to meet them at the bank as she quietly gets into the car with her husband. They get to the bank. Mom meets the police officers and dad. He nervously walks into the bank with his phone on, but in his pocket like they had told him to do. And I'll tell you what happened to Ashley at the end of the message. We're in Romans chapter number two. And the Bible says in verse Number five, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. The title of the message this morning is lost by works. Have you heard so many times people say you're not saved by works? Well, something does happen to you by works. You're lost by them. And if you want works to count for something in your relationship to God, 
They kind of will, but it won't be for salvation. It'll be towards judgment. There's a deception out there that says, and we've all heard this if you've been saved any length of time. You, you witness to somebody, what do they say? Well, I'm a good person. I've gone to church my whole life. I've done this. I've done that. There's this pointing to good works. It's a deception. We think, not we, if you're saved, not we, but we've thought in the past that somehow, before we came to Christ, somehow we were good enough. And that's a deception. By faith, if we repent and we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we won't be judged according to our works or according to our deeds. But when we come to this chapter in the Bible, verse number six, who will render, let's look at it, every man according to his deeds. This is the third principle that we've looked at in Romans chapter two uh, of God's judgment. The first principle that we were, that we looked at uh, uh, regarding God's judgment is that he judges according to truth. We'll just review that. Look at verse number two. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. And we, we taught on that. The second judgment of God is according to verse number five. It's the accumulation of guilt that we've built up. And we see that when it says, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, impenitent hearts and unrepentant heart, treasurest up. We preached on that, how you just keep gathering treasures of guilt that will come upon you in God's judgment when it's meted out on a day. We talked about that. Now, now we come to verse six, and this is the third principle of God's judgment. And it's according to what it says deeds according to his deeds and this is why we need the gospel the bible says in romans 3 therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight when you try to work yourself to heaven when you try to do a, you're a good deed of your whole life God is going to judge you according to all of the good deeds that you've done. And every single one of us will fall short. And instead of getting what we think we would get from God. This lost and dying world is deceived. And they're going to end up getting judgment. This, by the way, is why we preach the gospel. Because we don't want people thinking that their good works will save them. They're deceived in thinking that. And all the fellows can get together after church and we can go to lunch and we can, you know, talk about, well, you know, I'm better than this guy because of this. And we can all go through and figure out who the best man in the room is. Except that best man in the room isn't good enough to get to heaven. And we have this tendency to compare ourselves to others. Well, according to our deeds, we're all right. <laughs> and all the ladies can get together and they can have lunch and they can have a good old time and they can have their little prayer meeting and they can go through and the whole, the whole thing can turn into, well, who's the most spiritual gal in the room? I've never done what she did. Can you believe what she did? And, and, there, and there it goes. What do we do? We look at other people, we compare ourselves to them and we say we're not that bad. And I've said this before. 
Praise God nobody has killed anybody, <laughs> okay? I want a neighbor who hasn't killed anybody, don't you? Amen? Yeah. But if we say that to God as if he doesn't view us as a murderer because we've had hate in our heart, we're off. There's this one side of justifying ourselves before man. Yeah, my neighbor's a good neighbor. He'll check on me if the electric goes out. He'll bring over some, you know, his, his, his tractor to help cut some hay if, if that needs to be done. And praise God, he's a good neighbor. You know why I can say he's a good neighbor? Because he justified himself before me based on his deeds. That's, that's man being justified by works down here on earth. Amen. But before God, we've got a different story. And we need to understand that. Now, the opposite side of the coin is when the Bible says, being then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. If you're saved, you don't serve sin anymore. You should serve righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ. Bible says in John 10, no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So we believe doctrinally that if you truly trusted Christ, then nobody's plucking you out of the father's hand. Well, I did this. You're still in the father's hand. And if you raise kids, you know, your kids do some bad things. No one's plucking them out where you can't where you can't be their father anymore. Now, they might have a consequence. They should have a consequence. They do wrong. When that consequence is meted out, what's wrong there? What's broken there? The fellowship. There's no you now not becoming their father. <laughs> when husbands and wives fight, there's a problem there. There's a severing there. There's a separation there. What is it? Well, the wife went one way. The husband went the other way. They got to fight. They're not talking. For an hour or a day or three days or a week or whatever it is, whatever happens. But they're not, not, not husband and wife. There's been a brokenness in that relationship. And it's the same thing with us and God. If we fail to follow the Lord, there's a broken relationship. But we don't lose our salvation. No man's going to pluck us out of the Father's hand. Go to James 2. We'll look at something there. But there's a deception on the Christian side as well. You know, lost people, they think, well, I'm good enough. God's a loving God. He'll just forgive me. And I, after all, I've done more good than bad. So God's got to let me in. But the deception on the believer's side is this. Ultimately, we don't know somebody's heart. It's between them and God. And yes, we are called as believers to do good works. But the deception on the other side is a lot of people know what to say doctrinally. They know what to do publicly. And that could deceive you into thinking that that person's right with God and that person's a Christian. This is the tough thing about deception. You know what would you know what makes a great boxer? 
There's only seven punches. <laughs> Faints. That is what makes great boxers. That's what makes great fighters. It's the faint. It's the fake. It's the. And you draw that, you draw your opponent in. And the next thing you know, there's the knockout blow. What do you think? The guy goes back and says, oh, wow. I never knew what a left hook was. He knows exactly what a left hook is. He just got faked out. And the deception cost him. That's us as Christians sometimes. We get faked out. And that is what hurts with deception. That's the problem. Look at James 2, verse number 10. Or whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. This is the verse where nobody gets to Christ. <laughs> Because we all say, by our deeds at least, we all say, well, look, I've kept the whole law. And as we say that, we're really implying I've kept all the law that I think is important. <laughs> right? We can always point out the stuff that other people have broken. We're good at doing that. And then when we say, well, we've kept the law, yeah, the stuff that we want to keep. Yet offended one point, you're guilty of all. So one time, guilty. Now, when we get down to verse number 20, watch what it says. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. James 2 isn't teaching that faith and works saves you and justifies you before God. It's teaching. Look at verse number 25. We can go through all of it, but for the sake of time, look at verse 25. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? She's a harlot. What she has done is so horrific. How in the world can a harlot be justified before God? By faith. That's the roll call of faith, by the way. By faith, Rahab can be justified before God. So you think that the local harlot in the town that we live in, if she were to get saved somewhere at some church in this town, and she truly trusted Christ as her Savior, is she justified before God by faith? Yeah. Is she on her way to heaven? Has her sins been washed away? Okay. Now, when she goes to work on Monday morning, hopefully she doesn't go to work because she's saved, right? But when she gets around her friend and, 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 and the neighborhood and, they, and she tells him she's saved, do you think she's justified before those people? Not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> There is a justification by works where when people see it, they say, now in my mind, that's justified. You know what she did? Watch what Rahab did. When she received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Her works down here justified her before people down here. But her faith before God justified her before God. 
And it's so important that we get this. We have two types of justification. By faith and by works. Our justification by faith is before God and he counts. He credits our account righteousness. Our justification by works is something that deals with the state of affairs down here before man. And that's what's happening here. With all of that said, works can get kind of convoluted. Because you and I have both been deceived where you ever say, man, I thought. And then we realized, wait, that wasn't the way it worked out. Deception. Sometimes there's no answers to these things. I'm just saying deception is on both sides of the coin. For the lost person thinking their work saved them. And then for us, as we're trying to justify someone before man, or you're trying to justify someone before man, sometimes we look at what somebody does, and it causes us to think one way. And the next thing you know, deception. It's a bad way to live. Look at verse number six of Romans two, and we'll find some hope here. Bible says in Romans two, verse six, who will render, that's God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. With God, there is no deception. God is the righteous renderer. There is no deception with him. Who's going to do the rendering? God will. Who will God render it to? Every man. Parents, when you're a new parent, you start off, at least I did, thinking that you can render like God renders. Until it just gets to the point where, you know, brothers complaining about sisters, sisters complaining about brother, and you don't know what in the world happened. <laughs> And parents get to this point and you're just like, what? go work it out. Like, I don't have an answer. I can't render anything righteous. You're saying one thing and you're just, you know, it's true. And then the other, the other sibling saying another thing and in their mind, it's a hundred percent true. None of it matches up. And then the kids bring mom and dad in and say, okay, now you render out something that's righteous. You can't. Because you don't know what in the world happened. As far as you're concerned, the two of them are conspiring against you to turn you into a, a nutcase. <laughs> hey, let's go get mom and dad today. Here's what we'll do. Because you can't render like God renders. That's why sometimes it's good for parent, parents to give themselves a timeout. <laughs> You might not need to give the kid one. You might need to say, okay, it's time for timeout. You mean me, mom? No, me. I'm going to go. And you just need to take some time because you can't render the thing out. You're not going to figure it. But God can. God can. The Pledge of Allegiance, it, ended, it, it ends with, and liberty and justice for all. Except not everybody gets justice that's why we see 
all of these signs and all of these campaigns that have been created throughout the years, you know, the, the sign will go out, you know, justice for Annie, you know, justice for Johnny. And why? Because these things happen. And we're like, man, there was no justice. God doesn't render like that. Go back to the book of Ecclesiastes. Go to Psalms, Proverbs, and then you'll flip forward and you'll find the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's look at some of the character of God. Ecclesiastes, let's get chapter number 12. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. Let's go down to, well, look at this, verse number 8. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. I don't know about you, but the longer I live on this earth, the more I realize the truth of those three words. All is vanity. It's like, you know, when you when you're younger, when, I was in my 20s and 30s. I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to stay in shape, except I wasn't shape. <laughs> now you, you get older, the body gets aged. And it's not in shape, and you're like, well, it just hurts the exercise. I don't want to. It's like it's just vanity, you know? Everything's vanity. Everything's evolution ain't true. Everything's breaking down. Everything ain't getting better. But everything in this world, really look at it, it's vanity. Why does my elbow hurt? Why do I sometimes it gets here and then I just gotta kind of to get it to pop and then okay, everything's good. Why does my neck, it just goes here. What? You ever say that to yourself? Because you're sick of dealing with the ailments. Everything in this life's vanity. Look at verse number. Let's go to 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. There's all everything in this world's vanity. Our duty is man. That's our life purpose right there. That's your life verse. All of us. God gave us that verse as our life verse. This is your duty. Fear God and keep his commandments. You want a life verse? There's one. Verse 14. For God, here's what I want to get to, shall bring every word into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good, or whether it be evil. God basically gives you an allowance to settle out of court. Instead of living your life like we just read through in Romans 2, his goodness will lead you to repentance. Take that path. If you want to save the thing and treasure up all of your good works, and now you want to do all of these deeds, you're going to end up being lost by works. But you got one or two paths. And we went through and we, and we preached on that. But God gives you an allowance to settle out of court. For God shall bring every work into judgment. It's, it's irrefutable proof that God will judge. And it's coming. With every secret thing. Are they hidden from man? 
They're not hidden from they're not hidden from God. And God is going to do something that you fear would happen down here on earth, which is you've all heard the analogy before. You know, you come into church and then the preacher has on the screen, uh, God just miraculously gave him uh, a film of the last 20 years of your life <laughs> for everybody to see. Well, nobody's signing up for that because <laughs> we want it hidden. Matter of fact, when you trust Jesus Christ, guess what it is? Hidden. But if you don't trust Jesus Christ, if you don't follow after his goodness and repent and trust the Savior, there is going to come a day when you are going to be judged according to your deeds. And God is going to bring the thing out in open court. And then there it goes. You're lost according to works. You're not saved according to works. You're lost according to works. And they're going to come back to haunt you on judgment day. Now, way of disclaimer, this is not a sermon where I'm trying to convince you not to do good works. You and I should do them out of a love for the one who has saved us. Not as a way of trying to earn something that we can't earn, which would be salvation. You can't earn it. Bible says, First Corinthians four. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Until then, we're going to just have to deal with the best type of rendering we can have, which is a flawed rendering. So, you little ones. You can get away with it now. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you can you can tell mom one thing and you know you're lying to her. You can tell dad another. You can know you're getting by with something. But know this. Know this. Dad might not be watching. Mom might not be watching. I can tell you somebody else who ain't watching either. <laughs> the figment of your imagination. Anyway. God's watching. God's watching. Uh, what I meant by that is we hear this saying, be good for goodness sake. How about we just be good because God's watching. God's watching. He's the righteous renderer. We can fake each other out down here, but we can't deceive God. Uh, go back to Ecclesiastes 5. And get Proverbs 24, if you would. Ecclesiastes 5 and Proverbs 24. Ecclesiastes 5 and Proverbs chapter 24. We'll do Ecclesiastes 5 first. It says in verse number 8, Ecclesiastes 5, 8. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth and there be higher than they. And let's read Proverbs 24 with that. And then we'll make some comments. Proverbs 24, verse 11. The Bible says, uh, if thou forbear, well, verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn into death and those that are ready to be slain. 
If thou sayest, Behold, we know it not. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not, here it is, he render to every man according to his works. You've got an innocent man that is in danger of the, of, of the death penalty, let's say. He's innocent. You have evidence that would clear him. But you don't say anything. You withhold it. The same reason why people withhold information. They're afraid. They don't want to get involved. And just going down the line. Insert your own reasons. Why someone would do this. But if you withhold your testimony. God says you're guilty. And just doing that. Makes you guilty before God. Somebody's in trouble. You know information that could set them free. But you zip it up. That's not right. That's not right at all. There's a lot of stuff in this world that you and I will never, ever have control over. And some people experience trial and persecution and tribulation through no fault of their own. It's just the course of life. But if there's somebody that could intercede and there's somebody that could say something to help somebody and they don't, God says you're guilty. We ought not live our life like that. God says it's wrong, but God's the righteous renderer of truth. He will render justice righteously. You can't deceive God. Proverbs 24, look at verse number 12 again. It says, Doth not he that pondereth the heart considereth it? The Bible also says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. He knows our hearts. He knows the heart motive. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. He's going to render righteous judgment. You know, you know what we have going on all across our nation? What did we learn in Romans chapter 1? They knew God. God gave everybody enough truth to know that there's a God. And what's going all over college campuses is this. A science teacher who's an evolutionist will see a Christian student come into the classroom. And in his book bag or in his pile of books, he will also have a Bible. And that college professor who hates God and is an evolutionist will see that Bible. And he will go on to spend the next 30 or 40 minutes attacking that Christian's faith. And attacking his belief in a creator God through his entire lesson. You know what God says? You know the truth because I gave it to you in Romans 1. I told you that. Every man knows God. They just hold the truth in unrighteousness. You know what God says? When you withhold information that can help somebody. Same way an evolutionist professor is going to try to talk some college Christian out of their faith in God. And you withhold that information. You know God. You withhold it. God says you're guilty. It's not right. Not right. You need to be careful of those things. Get Jeremiah 17. God doesn't deceive, but there's something that does. Something we need to be careful of. Everybody knows this verse. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Jeremiah 17, 
verse number nine, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, here comes the answer. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. God's going to judge according to your works, according to your deeds. He's going to render righteously. You're going to be guilty. We need to be careful about following our own heart. Let's get our instruction from the truth of the word of God. Let's get our counsel from Christians. Let's get our advice from folks that will point us to God, not our own heart feelings. Your heart can deceive you. Now, ladies, I'm not telling you to throw out your intuition. I'm not throw, telling you to throw out the emotions that are real that God gave you and can certainly be used in many ways to put a stop pause in the park on something. What I'm saying is filter it all through God's word. Because sometimes your heart will deceive you. You want to make sure it's from God, not one of these preachers that says, well, throw your emotions out. You don't go by it. Look, God gave you emotions. Okay. It's just, we ought not let them control us. We ought to do the best we can to allow our emotions to be led and controlled by God. Might as well live your life as an open heart book toward God because it is, <laughs> because it is. Um, get Matthew 16 and Revelation 20. Matthew 16 and Revelation 20. We'll do two more. You're lost by works. You're not saved by works. Matthew 16. And Revelation chapter number 20. As Christians, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we stand if you've trusted christ when we stand before god we're not going to get the judgment that we're going to get to in a minute because we have an advocate with the father the lord jesus christ so if you save you're not going to be judged according to your works and get eternal hell the works that you will be judged for will be whether or not you're going to receive rewards Christians are going to be judged, but it has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. It's going to do with, was that for eternal? Was that for eternal? Did that have value eternally? Okay, there'll be rewards for that. You won't lose anything except a reward. You will not lose your salvation. That judgment has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. But Matthew 16, watch what it says, and Revelation 20. We'll read those two. Matthew 16. Look at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Verse 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world? And lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then, here it is. He shall reward every man according to his works. 
you know how many people have lost their soul? You hear the saying, they sold their soul for the devil. The devil. They say, well, I sold my soul for rock and roll. There's going to come a time where God's going to judge all that according to your deeds. It's not going to go well for lost people. Our message isn't, ha, 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 we have something and you don't. Our message is, we have a heart full of tears. Because we don't want you to lose your soul. It's not you're going to hell. It's we don't want you to go to hell. It's not we're better. It's we were just as worse off as you were. And we want you in with what we're in. Amen. That's the message. That's the heartfelt message. As much as God is loving and as much as he is forgiving, he's just not going to let all this sin go unpunished. We need an advocate to stand before us because they're going to end up here in Revelation 20. And people are deceived, thinking that all is well. Revelation 20, verse number 11. And I saw, Revelation 20, 11, a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Death, hell, God's going to take all of it. He's going to just move hell. Boom! He's going to cast it right into the lake of fire. It's where people that die without Christ are right now. There's going to come a day where, bang, he's just going to cast the whole thing into a lake of fire. And it's going to be, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the second death. You know who that judgment's for? If you've not trusted Christ. And then you're going to be judged according to your works and your deeds. And you're going to be lost by works. You will never be saved by works. So here we are. Ashley's father. He's at the bank. His wife is at the bank. She's met the police at the bank. He's on his way in to draw out money to say, to send to the kidnappers. But meanwhile, his daughter was at work at her office doing a podcast interview. She saw her phone light up multiple times during the interview. But because she was working, she didn't pick any of it up. But at the end, she looked at it. And she saw she had a ton of missed calls. But one text caught her attention. And the text said this. This is the police. I'm with your family. Please call. So now she's panicking. Because she's never received a text like this ever. And she's waiting and panicking because she doesn't want to find out what's on the other side. So finally she calls. This is Officer Smith. Is this Ashley? Ashley says, yes, it is. 
The officer says, please confirm your full name. And so she does. Then she hears the policeman yell, Mr. Smith, hang up the phone. We've got your daughter on the line. This whole thing's a scam. Dad gets on the officer's phone and dad's breaking down crying. And he says, is it, is it you? Is it you? And so she remembers, she's reflecting back. She's never heard her father cry like that ever. And she's watched her dad go through a business going under and having to rebuild it. She's watched her dad go through uh, getting diagnosed with stage three cancer. She's watched her dad go through her older sister dying. But that day, she never heard her dad cry like he was crying. And Ashley's dad kept asking her questions for her to prove that it was really her. Yeah, dad, it's really me. Remember, you dressed me up like a hot dog when I was nine. And, you know, you remember this and you remember that. And she couldn't believe it. And he finally says this. He had one last question before they hung up. And it was this. Can you just please come home? And so she did. And she remembers hugging her dad. Like, and she's never really felt the pain that he felt like that that day. And she realized a few things. One of the things that she realized was, my dad's just human. You know, you grow up thinking your dad's Superman, but he's just human. She realized that day. That day. But then the second, the second thing that she came to her mind was, I can't believe my dad was duped. I can't believe he was deceived like that. Do you see how powerful deception can be? Many Christians, I'll speak to, to us as Christians. If you're saved today, are you, are, you, are you deceived by some terms like, you know, we, what was wrong with Ashley's dad? She was he was afraid of what was going to happen to his daughter. And so he reacted out of all of that fear. And we say things like this. Well, you know, that's not really realistic. That's not really practical. And what it is, it's just a way to hide from saying, I'm just really afraid to do this. <laughs> and we come up with ways where we deceive ourselves and talk ourselves out of doing something. And at the same time, it's really just a cover up because we're afraid. We're deceived. We deceive ourselves. Now, the lost person. If you're listening online or if you're here this morning and you've not trusted Christ, are you deceived this morning? Have you said to yourself, there really is not another option? Living a good life and how I live is going to be good enough for God. And you've never considered there's another option. <laughs> Satan wants to keep you blinded. And as he does, you're going to end up going to the judgment seat and you're going to be lost because of your works and God's going to mete out judgment. He's going to render righteously every man according to his deeds. Past hurt is there. Past pain is there. Even past bad experiences with so-called Christians who have hurt you. I'll never become a Christian because there was a Christian one time Do you still shop on Amazon? 
A lot of people get scammed there. <laughs> you buy something from Amazon and the next thing you know, you get it. And you're like, well, that's not what the description said. <laughs> you go back next week, you buy the same thing. Don't give up on Christianity because there was a Christian or a so-called Christian that duped you or deceived you. Deception happens all over. And when it happens, when you finally get to the end of it, you look back and you say, I can't believe that. I was deceived. Don't die and leave this world in deception thinking that your good works will render you anything but judgment from God. Instead, allow the goodness of God to lead you to repentance. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.